you know, it could be within the next year that we're looking at, you know, chemical signatures of life on other planets. <laughs> like, that's a total possibility. That's going to be an exciting time. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of PierceCast. Today, I am joined by Hillary Stevens, and we have a lot of cool content we are covering for you guys, so we're going to jump right into it. Here at Pierce College, Hillary is a professor of physics and astronomy and the director of the Science Dome. So, Hillary, I've got to start by asking, what got you interested in science to begin with? Yeah, so... Um... That's a good question, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, it's, it's, I think, a lot of things. So it's not just like one thing, but a lot of things got me interested. And I think one of the first things that really got me interested was actually when I was in middle school. At some point, somebody recognized that I was good at math, right? And I had never thought that I was good at math. But somebody in middle school said, you know, this kid's good at math and put me, they put me on like the fast track math. So I took, you know, like algebra in seventh grade or something like that, you know, like early, earlier than people normally would. And, um, and I think that kind of got me thinking, oh, you know, I actually do like this stuff. This is actually pretty cool. (laughs) And, um, and so I think, I think that started it, but then, um, there were other things too. So like my friends and I got really interested in astronomy just as a hobby, as a lot of people I think do. And, um, I remember my friend got a telescope for her birthday and we took it out and we found Saturn in the sky and Saturn is like the coolest thing you can see through a little telescope. And, you know, we'd never seen it before, but we looked up, we found it, like pointed the telescope ourselves. We had no idea what we were really doing, but we found some star chart or something, you know, and like found it in the sky and looked and it was like actually there. And it looked like this little stamp. Like it was, it was like perfect. You know, it was this circle with these little rings on it and it was so tiny and cute and perfect. And I still remember this image in my head, right. Of like, wow, like we're actually looking at this thing. And, um, I, yeah, I, I was totally hooked after that. So, um, <laughs> on astronomy and I, I had a really cool astronomy and physics teacher in high school that I just absolutely loved too, that I think really helped. Um, So those are all pieces of it. I think another piece too, which also brings me to like how I'm a teacher and like why I like teaching so much is um, also started about the same time, like middle school, high school. I volunteered to do these teaching things. I was part of this thing called Teens as Teachers and when I was in middle school, we went to elementary schools and we taught them about the dangers of tobacco and smoking. And, um, and I, I volunteered at the zoo and they had like a robotic dinosaur exhibit. And I was a docent at the zoo teaching people about dinosaurs and like all that stuff. I think it, it helped pique my interest in science in general a lot by being able to teach it to other people. And, you know, like get other people excited about right. it, you excited about it, right? So. Well, it sounds like you have, well, one, a natural draw to teaching and then a natural talent for science. So it seems like it all just aligned perfectly to where you are now. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> 
So now, what classes do you teach here at Pierce in present day? Yeah, so I, I teach uh, I teach physics and astronomy courses, and I teach mostly the engineering physics, and I teach uh, different astronomy classes. So I teach a, a life in the universe class, which is all about like where we would look to find life um, out there if we could find life, <laughs> like where, cool. we would, where we would look and what kind of things we would be looking for, stuff like that. And then um, I also teach a class on the solar system and a class on the stars, galaxies, and cosmos. How and cool. then the, the physics classes are the physics sequence for engineering students. So it goes through like mechanics and then there's a class on like waves and thermodynamics and then uh, electricity and magnetism. So now what would we look for if we're looking for life? I'm really curious about that. <laughs> That's actually a really good. Yeah, good question. So and actually, I think a timely and important question as well. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that we can look at is we can actually look at the atmospheres of planets. Um, and like if we think about the atmosphere of Earth, the mix of chemicals in our atmosphere is due to the life on this planet. So, for example, the atmosphere on Earth is almost 20% oxygen, and that actually comes from life. Like, we wouldn't have 20% oxygen in our atmosphere if there wasn't life on this planet, mostly from microbes that polluted the planet with oxygen a long time ago, that were anaerobic microbes, didn't use oxygen themselves. Um, and, but not only that, but like other, even trace gases in the atmosphere are really from the life of this planet. And we wouldn't have that mix of chemicals in the atmosphere if it wasn't for life. So when we go and we look for life on other planets, one of the things we can do is we can't, um, if we're, if we're looking for planets like really far away, going around other stars and other solar systems, we can't go to those planets and, you know, land on them. They're too far away. We can't go and send explorers but we can look at what chemicals are in their atmospheres. And uh, you can do this with some really powerful telescopes. Some <laughs> and super I, powerful I, ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just this, just this past, what, like three months ago, the James Webb Space Telescope was launched um, in December. And it is, uh, it is, the first telescope that is actually basically that powerful enough and it can get detailed enough spectra to see what's in planets' atmospheres outside of our own solar system. And so that's really exciting. And that's one of the first things it's going to look at when it comes, it's fully functional. So it launched about three months ago and it's fully deployed, which is a huge deal because this telescope's so big. It's the biggest telescope they've ever launched into space. Wow. They couldn't fit it into a standard rocket. So they had to like fold it up like origami <laughs> really, <laughs> to fit it in the rocket. Then they had to launch the rocket. Then they had to deploy it out in space. And it's, there's a lot of complicated things, not just the mirror that needs to unfold, but there's this huge sun shield. And then the telescope is actually farther away from the earth than the moon is. That's its final spot. So a lot of people are familiar with like the Hubble space telescope, mm -hmm. which is um, in low earth orbit. Like it can be accessed by astronauts on the international right. space station. Like this is 
nowhere near <laughs> anywhere anyone can easily access um, access it. So it's been this huge endeavor just to like see it deploy and everything coming together. And they just actually in this past week, like tested to make sure all the mirrors were aligned and everything's looking great. So um, they're expecting the first science images this summer. Okay. And uh, you know, it could be within the next year that we're looking at, you know, chemical signatures of life on other planets. <laughs> like that's a total possibility. That's going to be an exciting time. Yeah. That'll probably be a hot topic in your classes too, as things progress and unfold. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how does that look for you right now with some things being in person, some online, some hybrid? What are your classes like, you know, right now as we're speaking? Yeah, well, so finishing spring or finishing winter quarter, I guess, uh, my classes were in person. And in the spring, I've got in person a mix of in-person and, uh, online. And, uh, yeah, so my, like my astronomy class this spring is online. Um, it seems like a lot of students want to take classes online and not a ton are ready to come back to campus yet. Um, but when people do want to come back to campus, we've got this wonderful planetarium (laughs) and, uh, the science dome, which is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, especially for learning astronomy. Oh, I can imagine. In terms of the the science dome, can you give us a bit of an overview on, you know, a little bit of the history and then some of the really cool features that this science dome has? Sure. Yeah. So um, we finished building the science dome at the end of 2012. And um and then we started really like opening it up more after we kind of learned the how it worked and things like that. We did in a couple of classes in 2012, but then in 20, in January of 2013 is when we really started opening it up. And, um, and basically since January of 2013, we have, we, we do stuff for the college. So there are um, classes and, and events and stuff for the college that are held in the dome. But then we also have, public shows that are open to the public um, and that are free for Pierce College students to come to. So right now we have public shows every Friday and Saturday. In the summers, we typically also have public shows on Wednesdays. Um, And then we also do field trips for um, preschool through 12th grade um, groups in the community, uh, different classes and, and also other youth groups and stuff like Cub Scout groups and things like that. Um, and I mean, obviously with the pandemic that a lot of that got, um, well, just, we completely stopped for a while, right. Then we switched to doing things online and, and now we're doing more and more in person with uh, some online as well. And then we also do like free events as well, like big public events. Um, and I, non-pandemic times, I try to do those about once a quarter, um, We did, the last one we did was actually a a James Webb telescope launch party in November um, (laughs) prior to the actual launch. But uh, that's because you can't plan some, like the launch got delayed so many times. (laughs) You have to say, hey, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to do this pre-launch party, I guess. But yeah. (laughs) Nice. And what are some of these um, shows? Like, what are some of the recent ones you've had since things have started going back in person? So we do, um, 
we do two different flavors of shows, I guess, for the public um, that I, w- I would say we, the first one is what I call like an all ages show. Anybody can come to it. Um, generally ages three and up is what I would say, <laughs> but um, it's a, it's a half an hour uh, live astronomy presentation with the planet in the planetarium and then a half an hour full dome video. So the live astronomy presentations are uh, put on by student workers that work at the science dome. And it could be a tour of tonight's night sky, or it could be a talk specifically on say Jupiter's moons. Uh, it's, it's up to the presenter on sort of like what topic they want to present that evening. Um, and so it gives students a little bit of you know, like they can present on their, their favorite topics and things like that. Um, and then the videos are like IMAX videos, but on the full dome of the planetarium. So, yeah, you feel like you're in it, in the yes. movie. Okay. Yeah. And when, when you have your astronomy classes in person, do you hold them in the science dome or is that more of like that lab portion you'll go in there sometimes? Yeah, it's, it's part of it. So we'll go in there many times in the quarter. I'm going to say several, but I think many is maybe more accurate, but it's not every day and it's not, um, (laughs) it's, it's not even every week. Um, but maybe the first week we go in every day that week, you know, or something. So it's, spread out throughout the quarter get people excited that first week show them all the cool features and keep them coming back yeah and I mean it's it's also just like the content that we learn those first couple of weeks is really easy like the the dome makes it much easier to learn it (laughs) when you can visualize it and, and really see all that I like it what advice do you have for someone who let's say they're just getting started and thinking about going into stem for example, uh, starting their college studies, what would you want them to know when they're making yeah. that decision? I mean, I think, um, I think, I think everybody needs to know it's hard. <laughs> it's hard for everyone. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. And, uh, I, that's one of the reasons why I love it though. Right. It's like that challenge, it, that challenge. It's great. It's a lot of fun. And it's a lot hard and it's hard in, in, uh, ways that you might not think. I think one of the hardest things for me was, um, especially when I got to sort of the grad school level, was in grad school, you take classes for your first couple of years, and then it's all research. It's And research isn't you don't know what you're going to find and you don't know how you're going to, you don't necessarily know how long it's going to take. Um, and that was really hard for me. Um, my family, you know, is my family didn't understand grad grad school. Like none of, none of my family members ever went to grad school or anything like that. So I remember talking to my family when I was in grad school and they were like, so when are you going to be done? <laughs> You're like, I don't <laughs> you even know. know. <laughs> or like even talking to them about what I was doing. And then, then, you know, the next day they'd introduce me to somebody and tell them that I was doing something totally different. <laughs> right? Like it was, it was really hard. I think that way of like being able to relate back to my family because <laughs> they didn't they didn't know what to do with it they were like supportive but didn't really <laughs> quite understand what was going on um and I think that sort of uncertainty too was really difficult um it would so it's not like necessarily subject matter wise but it was difficult 
um, not knowing how things were going to end. Right. Right. And how long were you in grad school for? Um, six and a half years. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. A decent amount of time. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's a, about right to get a PhD. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. What was, um, now I'm assuming you worked on multiple research projects during that time. What was your favorite? If, if you can pick a favorite. Hmm. Oh man, that's a good question. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I worked on a couple of different fusion experiments. Okay. And, um, and I, I, I liked working on fusion experiments a lot. Now, so what is, what sorry, is fusion? what is a yeah. fusion experiment? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. So, um, the idea is that, uh, we've got lots of different kinds of power plants, right? So there's coal power plants and there's um, hydroelectric and there's solar power and there's lots of different ways that we get our energy for our electrical grid. Um, and one of those ways is nuclear power right now, which it are actually fission power plants. They take atoms and they split them into smaller atoms and this releases energy. There's another way of getting energy out of atoms and that's taking two small atoms and smashing them together and you get a lot of energy out. And you actually get more energy per reaction doing this than the other way around, but it's really hard to do. And so we it don't have like any, <laughs> yeah, we don't have any fusion power plants right now. And um, they're still probably a long way off. Not that we couldn't do them, but we can't do them economically. So okay. we can't do them in any way to compete with other electrical power plants. So um, yeah, so I, I, I love working on those fusion experiments and um and they all involve something called plasma i didn't know what a plasma was until i was a sophomore in college and it's not like it's part of the curriculum to know what a plasma is and as a sophomore in college but i just happened upon it by something else actually because i went and worked on another research experiment but um it's the fourth state of matter and i, I think i remember learning about that in like elementary school the fourth state of matter, you got solids, liquids, gases, and then plasma. And I remember teachers saying like, oh, plasma, we're not going to talk about those because they're not really important. Um, and in my mind, I pictured like glowing green silly putty. Right. Right. Yeah. That's okay. That's kind of so, what comes to my mind. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that's not what it is. It's, it's basically a gas so hot that it, the electrons get stripped away from the centers of the atoms. And you've got these a gas that can react to electric and magnetic fields. And um, yeah, and it turns out that plasmas actually make up like 99.99% of the normal matter in the universe. Like the sun is in a plasma state. The earth has a giant ball of plasma around it that protects us from plasma that's streaming off of the sun and like all sorts of things. So it's actually very important. And yeah, you we think you'd learn a bit more in elementary school about that. Because I never <laughs> learned about plasma. Yeah, I actually go and volunteer at elementary schools and give them plasma talks now. But um, That's important. That's good. <laughs> like, hey, this is what a plasma is. They need to know. But like a fluorescent light bulb, the thing that's giving off the light inside of a fluorescent light bulb is a plasma. And um, yeah, so you probably are interacting with a plasma right now if you have a fluorescent and light bulb around you. Not even knowing it. And didn't I never even know it. Never yeah. would have thought there was plasma around me. Yeah. So... Um, so it's pretty cool. Anyway, um, 
<laughs> yeah. And do you, when you talk, for example, when you talk to younger kids, do you, um, you know, tell them about some of the experiments you've done and what you found or, or what, what do you tell them? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, and I, I go and talk to elementary school and high school students, so I'm going to tell them different things. But uh, elementary school students, I think just giving them the experience of like seeing a plasma. So I have a bunch of different plasma demos. Um, and have you ever seen like a plasma ball? Like no. one of those things you touch and like the light goes to your hand. It's like a giant glass ball or whatever. Anyway, we've got a really big one of those that elementary school students love to play around with and stuff. Um, so that's something where you've got this big ball and when you touch it, like a, a burst of light comes near your finger. Your in finger. The ball or, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is there one of those at the sign stone? Because yeah, yeah, we have, a, we have a really big one. Yeah. That we'll bring out for demos and stuff. And um, we also have this just fluorescent light bulb that's actually only half coated. So you, so when you look at a fluorescent light bulb, it's white, right? Right. But that's actually because of the coating on the outside. If you, if you didn't have that coating, it actually is this like purplish blue color from the mercury of mercury plasma that's inside. And um, what's really cool about a plasma and what makes it different from a gas is that it will react to elect um, electricity and magnetism, right? So if you take a magnet and you wave it near the plasma, you can actually move it around. Wow. And so that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, and that's actually how these fusion experiments work too. So these fusion experiments, what they do is they put a, they kind of keep the plasma together. It, this really, really hot plasma from expanding and, and, you know, hitting the sides of the container that it's in with magnets, really strong magnets. So you put these magnets on the plasma and sort of hold it in place. That's cool too. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is really cool. Is that something that you cover with the curriculum that you've got going on? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. So, well, um, no, so we, we don't really cover the, the topic of plasma. Like in, you can, you can't really understand the physics of everything that goes on in a plasma with the level of like intro physics that we cover. Okay. We kind of get into electricity and magnetism in that last quarter of physics. And, um, but, and in astronomy too, like it's very related to astronomy. So we'll talk about it in astronomy as well. Um, and some of the important features of a plasma and like how it reacts with magnetic fields and things like that. So for example, in, the earth, I said, is surrounded by a ball of plasma that's actually caught in the earth's magnetic field. And because of that, the plasma actually protects us from high energy particles streaming off of the sun. And it's one of the reasons like why we still have an atmosphere and uh, Mars doesn't. There's other factors in there too, right. but like, because earth has a magnetic field, it actually protects our atmosphere. And, um, yeah. So, and it's because of this plasma that's trapped in the magnetic field. Right. So, so there's, there's a lot of important ways where, like I said, plasma actually does affect our lives. Um, but I actually, uh, a couple of years ago, got a little grant to put together a, a small plasma experiment, which is actually in the room right next to my office. And, um, so in the 2019-2020 school year, we had a group of students putting it together and uh, we were just about to turn it on <laughs> right when the pandemic hit. Ooh. So um, 
with the slow restart of things happening on campus, we haven't touched it again, but I have some students that are interested in starting it up again next quarter. So um, yeah, so we have this little, um, little tabletop plasma experiment that's um, kind of the idea behind it is to get students to come up with their own experiment to do. So um, like just get familiar a little bit with plasmas and then play around with it a little bit. Ask some questions. Cool. And now will that stay in the room next to your office or is that something you'll take with you? Okay. So it stays. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's in the, the, it's set up in there. It needs to be kind of stationary. It doesn't move. (laughs) (laughs) So on your breaks, you can go over and do some, some fun experiments and then come back to work in the office next door. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly for the students and I'm there to help. Right. Um, It's just to, just to, to give them a little bit of experience doing some, some research on their own. Right. And I can see how that would be inspiring too, to, you know, be able to have that available. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's uh, nice to have that kind of opportunity here at a community college Mm -hmm. where we don't do research and this isn't like a research one university type of experiment, but it is a, you know, fun little thing <laughs> and Definitely. that is, is, is more than what you would, you would typically get at a community college. And, um, you can answer some really cool or ask some really cool questions, I guess I, I could say, and then test them out with this. Now I wish I was in one of your classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you should come to the science dome for a public show and, and, you know, you don't have to take a whole class, just sit for an hour <laughs> and learn some astronomy here and there. And that should work with a lot of people's schedules too. So I, uh, I definitely am going to go onto the website and check out those event calendars. Yeah. For our listeners, we hope you check out those event calendars too. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And Hillary, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And with that... We will see you all on the next episode.